Um, I know that some of you are old enough in this room to have watched Miss Jean on Romper Room. <laughs> Not that many of you, huh? Come on. Remember when she'd hold up that little thing and, you know, I see Jared, I see Kimberly, I see Susan, I see Rosemary, I see Laura. <laughs> It's nice. It's nice to to get to know some of you in the groups and some of the individual meetings and um and also just to be in your presence. It's um hmm. I just walked through the dining room uh to to wash my supper dishes cuz I had them upstairs and yeah, there's you know, three or four people walking, doing walking meditation, and someone sitting having a cup of tea. And it's just like, whoa! Look at look at this space we're holding. Look at this this beauty of practice. You know. And then walking into the the uh, the walking room and seeing other people practicing and just. Just feeling the joy of being in community and being in a community that is uh, is dedicated to waking up and to listening to the heart and mind, to having having the courage to slow down, to pay attention, uh, to open up to to what is. So tonight's talk... um, is, is on the power of vulnerability. The power of vulnerability and the courage to meet it. How does vulnerability fit in with the Buddha's teachings? Everywhere. All of it. The instructions are to pay attention. They're to pay attention to whatever is happening, to what is. Sooner or later we get it on a direct experiential level that there's nobody in charge. You notice that? Not yet. <laughs> there's nobody in charge. There's no there's no getting things just right. How about that? Have you noticed that? Yeah, okay, got a few more nods on that one. You know, we, we watch our attempts to to follow the instructions to get to get some order. And I don't mean that um, sarcastically. I do mean it that um, everything I just said at the beginning here, that there's this beautiful intention. And we hear these instructions and we take them in and we, we try them. You know, we practice with them. That, that's how we can uh, understand what's actually being offered. We, we, it's not a cognitive, let me figure it out. It's like, okay, let's try it. Let me try what's just being offered. You know, so we apply ourselves. We apply ourselves with, with whatever we have, with, with whatever conditions we have. So some of us are, you know, recognizing a lot of tiredness, or some of us are recognizing um, speediness or agitation. You know, or some of us are saying, you know, I, I, I noticed that you know, many, many of you have said, you know, that first day was really, really difficult. And here you are, you know, there, there, was some, there was some commitment to, to, to being with it, to getting through it. You know, even if you had a million thoughts, like, I'm leaving, you know, <laughs> leaving tomorrow morning, <laughs> I'm 
calling my taxi. Mm. You know, here we are still practicing together. So as we follow these instructions and we, and, we, and we work with our minds and hearts, you know, they begin to settle. And we, we might feel moments of clarity, peace, openness, insights arise. Don't worry if none of this has happened for you. Um, and, then, and then, you know, what happens, we just think we, we, think we have it. You know, and, and there's nothing wrong with that because there's joy in feeling that peace. There's, there's, there's true happiness in, in having an insight or meeting an emotion that we didn't know was there. You know, or feeling some tenderness towards ourselves or towards the person next to us or, or, uh, or, or tasting our food in a way that we've never really tasted it before. You know, or hearing the sound of a bird, these, these simple moments where we can feel so present and so connected. And, you know, the mind, you know, it, it just does, it just likes to be in charge. We don't need to condemn it for that, but we do need to understand it. So the mind often will be like, okay, I got it. You know, I got it. Okay, it's okay, coasting. You know, or or maybe no, I'll just do this more intensively. I'll get more of it. Anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> A few nods. <laughs> Come on, where are the rest of you? <laughs> it's just like this is not happening, or what? <laughs> maybe it's just all in my own mind. Um, well, it is, but. Um, yeah, I've been sitting out there for a few years, so I, I really am speaking to you based on um, my own experience with sitting and listening to other people as well. So, you know, we get these moments of clarity, and then boom, you know, we think we have it, and it falls apart. You know, for me, on one retreat, it was when my watch fell into the bathtub. <laughs> and really, I was just like, you know, just feeling so peaceful, just so peaceful in my heart, my mind. Just, oh, this is just so wonderful. And my watch was on the, you know, was on the side of the tub. And before I knew it, it was like, boom, underwater. And com- complete upset happened, you know. And, and then there was upset with the upset. You know, like somehow I should be peaceful and equanimous, equanimous with my watch maybe not working ever again. Need to keep track of time. So, you know, um, it, it really... It happens that that we have this peaceful these this these peaceful moments or these insights, and then it flips you know it flips, and we can feel so unsettled, really so unsettled and in that unsettling we can what what often can happen with that is what's called in in a Buddhist practice um, is the second arrow so this the first arrow is that it just stinks right it just does not feel good we don't like it. We don't like whatever the experience is. Maybe it's body pain. Maybe it's mental pain. Maybe it's emotional pain. You know, maybe it's that we feel um, our, our system is getting more and more sensitive and it's, it's, we feel irritable around other people, just, just on a nervous system level. But how can we be with all of that? So maybe some of you are actually experiencing moments of, yeah, when it's difficult... Actually, I'm noticing I can be with it with a little more ease. I mean, that's great. That, that is a fruit of practice. That we can be with our difficult experiences without getting lost in them or reactive to them. Or re- we're reactive to them, but actually we can widen out in that lens 
and just see the reactivity as part of the whole dance, part of the whole show, part of the whole play that comes and goes, comes and goes, comes and goes. We start to get a little sense of that. Some of you may have heard of Pema Chodron. She's a beloved Buddhist nun in the Tibetan tradition. You know, one of the titles of her books, I love this title, The Wisdom of Insecurity. She does not say the eradication of insecurity. It's the wisdom of insecurity. Because there's that understanding, that's how it is. That's what we're opening to. Yes, we're opening to the beautiful, the sublime. Yes, we're working with the difficult. And yes, we're working with it's changing. It's all changing, moment by moment, all of it. Including our very sense of who I am. That's probably the one that's the stickiest. The one that tends to be the most solid. The one that doesn't, doesn't ease up so easily. <laughs> Not to worry about that, but we can notice it. We can really notice where that identification comes in. This is me, this is mine, this is you, this is yours. I'm not speaking about our conventional reality. We would be psychotic if we did not have that understanding. I'm talking about looking more deeply into how we relate to experience. What happens when when we make experience mine, when we lose sight of what the causes and conditions are, which Chaz was talking about so, so beautifully and simply today about just the weather. You know, we can understand that pretty easily. But sometimes, so often, we lose sight when it's something that's very important to us, like our thoughts. We, start, we, we don't even really know sometimes that we believe our thoughts are us or they represent us. Like the, there was a question that came up today about, about judging. So if we have difficult thoughts, painful thoughts, does that mean that's who we are? If we have uh, hateful thoughts, angry thoughts, loving thoughts, who are we? Which one of those are we? Maybe neither. Maybe we're experiencing the the conditions of life as they come through. As they come through in our hearts and minds. Some of you may experience through this process also that kind of uh, striving to, to get it. The striving to, you know, trying harder in your practice. And, you know, sometimes when we're really, you know, say, um, disinterested or um, sleepy, uh, and we just feel like, wait, no, we want to wake up more. I don't know that I would call that striving. I would call it maybe effort where we you know, apply ourselves a bit more to the walking practice or say, no, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to this sitting. I'm not going to skip the sitting. Not because I'm good or bad, but because, you know, I want to raise the energy a little bit. Sorry, I keep getting caught up in this. I want to raise the energy a little bit. So that's applying. That's applying what we might call skillful effort. I mean, it takes that or else you wouldn't be sitting here right now. There's no way. Not one of you would be sitting here if you weren't applying skillful effort to practice because it's not easy. It's not easy to sit and do nothing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So... 
we can begin to get glimpses of, of our mind's relationship to thought, sometimes even insight. But as I was saying about that second arrow also can, can happen so quickly that, so the first arrow is the experience itself. So let's just say there's pain in the leg or, um, or pain in the heart. You know, that's what's happening. But oftentimes what will happen is our mind will grab onto it. This is me, this is mine. And there's usually some kind of an evaluation process around it. This is either good, my practice is going really well, this is bad. You know, or the eyes go outward and they're doing it either well or not so well. You know, and we're on a roller coaster like that. And actually, it's not, it's not like that just happens on retreat. We're just getting a view into what happens in our minds. They're, they're evaluating all the time. And sometimes I like to think about it as just it's like grabbing experience, like it's me, it's mine, rather than it's just experience. How can we relate to experience without that grabbing? The second arrow is, of suffering is considered in the unnecessary suffering. It's something we can actually investigate and even unhook from. That's the good news. Because when we're lost in this identification of me, of mine, it's these moments we, we don't see the causes and conditions. We just see that identification. We don't have access to peace, compassion, understanding. And they seem further and further away from us. We get caught in that, as, as Tara Brock calls, that trance of unworthiness. I can't get it. I've lost it. I did something wrong. Or, you know, they're, they're giving not great instructions up there, or this practice isn't really for me, or um, sitting in this position is, is really not useful. Whatever, you know, we do it, we, our minds evaluate. And they go in the other direction, too. This is great. How about, you know, this sitting was really good. Anyone have those? Sitting was really good. I really liked it. Got it now. On a roll. Going for it. Wait till the next one. It's going to be better, even. Then you sit down like, boom, sound asleep, you know. Or someone's coughing, you want to kill them. You know. It's like, what happened? What did I do wrong? It's often the first thought. What did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? I'm not seeing in that moment the illusion of control. I'm not seeing in that moment the causes and conditions. That maybe the energy is just lower right now. Maybe it's a different time of day. Or maybe things change. And that's not my fault. That's a that's just a fact of life. It's a reality of life. You know, in those painful moments when we think we don't, you know, we've lost it, it's so sad. It's so painful because we suffer so much. You know, and then you look at someone and they're like, hmm. <laughs> you know, you think, they have it. They have it. I don't. You know, and we don't even realize that actually it's already there. I know this sounds cliched, but that peace, that awakened mind and heart is just obscured by a cloud. It's like when the cloud goes, you know, covers the moon. Does that mean the moon is gone? We don't see the moon, that's true. But it doesn't mean the moon is gone. It just means we can't see it. We're lost to it in that moment. 
But we can get frightened by that. We can, our minds can go into a lot of judgment and evaluation. And, and a false idea that if I can just figure it out, I'll get it right. It's not about figuring it out. It's so interesting, isn't it? It's not about figuring it out. Like those questions that come, and I don't, this is no judgment at all. It's fascinating to me, the questions about, but what about the planning mind? What about thought? Isn't thought good? I, those questions come all the time. You know, don't worry. Your mind is going to keep planning. It's going to plan and plan and plan. It's going to do and do and do. And yeah, in fact, actually, you know, particularly concentration practice, really doing some intensive practice, yeah, it enhances creativity clears the mind, you know, infuses energy, does all those things. So it's not to worry about that. But it's interesting to see where is the question coming from? What, what's the fear? That's what I get interested in. Just to connect with that fear of like, what, what am I afraid of? Someone talked about fear today, just come, getting ready to come on a retreat. And they were asking me about it myself. And you're kind of maybe wondering, is that, you know, maybe something if you've only done a few retreats? No. No. I mean, you know, doing retreats for more than half my life, for, you know, almost four decades. And I can feel myself, you know, you know, when you tell people going to retreat, oh, that's great. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, good for you. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I know, I'm going to retreat. And you pack and you drive and you're like, oh, my God, what did I decide to do? <laughs> you know? It's in some way there's a knowing that we're, we're just going to actually surrender to the whole shebang. And, and it can feel frightening. And yet, you know, then when we're with it, there we are. I love the stories about um, people leaving retreat. And there's a story of someone very near and dear to me, I will say. It's my wife, who um, was, is one of those, like, mm, don't really love retreats. So she's, you know keeping her, you know, making herself stay, blah, blah. Finally, she said, I'm leaving to herself. She leaves the retreat, drives to Northampton, gets to Northampton. It's like, what am I doing here? <laughs> drives back, comes back on retreat. <laughs> you know, at some point you realize wherever you go, there you are, <laughs> you know. But, but here we do, we do get this opportunity to, a very precious opportunity, really, to see more clearly. Why? Because we're slowing down. Because we're, we are sort of creating the conditions for uh, seeing into the mind and heart more clearly, without distraction. Not that those other things in our lives aren't beautiful and wonderful, including the use of technology. <laughs> Skillfully used. <laughs> so, um, this what can often come up with this identification that I want to kind of lead into... Um, about vulnerability is um, is a sense of shame and blame. As I said, Tara Brock uses the words the trance of unworthiness. Like if we're not getting it right, there's shame. You know, if you're not getting it right, there's blame. You know, and sometimes it's just completely ludicrous. Most often it's really quite painful because we're, we're, we're so identified with it we don't see it. You know, we don't, we don't see that it's conditions in the mind. So here's an example, um, a little one. But for me, it was actually profound. I was sitting on retreat. Um, for those of you that have heard this story 
before, bear with me. It's, it's one of my favorites, so I do tell it regularly. So it, I was on retreat, and I was in the dining hall, that wonderful neutral place, the dining hall. And um, I was eating my, my lunch, and I particularly like to eat really slowly, really slowly, and really do my mindful eating, really into it. And I'm sitting there, and I suddenly sort of noticed across from me somebody was eating really into their food, chewing and eating, and could tell really enjoying it, and doing it, even though I just did it fast, doing it fairly slowly. So I immediately, you know, my mind immediately went into irritation. And then, and then I noticed that this being actually had, their legs were like bumping up against mine under the table. And they were very, very long legs. And, um, you know, more irritation came up. And it just built, it just built up. You know, just like, you know, even the, the conditions, of, you know, if you think of cultural conditionings, you know, we were different genders. And of course, you know, that gender in my mind got to take up a lot of space. And my gender was conditioned to, you know, take less space. And so that was, that was happening for me. That was in my mind. And, um, you know, it, it, it just could get built up. I hated him. <laughs> I mean, it was just out and out hatred. I hated that he was eating slow because I wanted to be the slowest eater. I mean, this is, this is like so humbling, right? So, but, you know, there was, what happened that over the course, and you all know this, that over the course of a couple of days, I would see this human being. And the moment I would see them, I hated them. (laughs) You know, so this went on for a little bit. And then, you know, one time he he walked through, like, where the, you know, where you wash the dishes and kind of, thank God he couldn't hear my mind. He walked through the door and, and, and and I was right there I just looked at him, and I, my heart just broke open. It's just, and then I loved him. <laughs> you know, but really it broke open to seeing the projection, to seeing all those conditions and how they get carried, and then how they get placed onto another and how we believe them. And this happens all the time, right? So there was this incredible... Because along with all that hating, as you can imagine, there was incredible self-judgment for hating. I was completely identified with it. So I, I, it, it was me, and I was hating, and I'm supposed to be a little Dharma person here, meditating. What is hatred? There's no place here. All me, me, me. You know, not just seeing, like, it's just this arising of aversion, you know, because he had long legs and because of how he chewed. You know, I mean, it's just like, so what? But when we miss, when we miss, actually it's just aversion arising. Something in my nervous system probably was feeling a little crouched. Do you know what I'm talking about? Happens. Some of you talked about that. It's not personal, but it's what's happening and just missing those conditions or just missing seeing like, oh, aversion's happening. It's kind of funny even. You know, but it wasn't so funny until that insight occurred. The insight did not come from me pounding away in thought, trying to figure it out. It just happened spontaneously. And there was a tremendous joy. And with that joy, a lot of um, faith 
in the practice. It, you know, it just, it just imbued, it just strengthened this sense of faith. Like, wow, it's worth it to actually go through these hell realms because clarity and awareness and wisdom does arise on its own based on conditions that we're not in control of. You know, it doesn't mean we don't apply ourselves. You know, we don't, we don't bring our, you know, really pay attention to intention and follow what we might call wholesome intentions. But even when we do that, you know, we, we can't control the results. Or even when we think we've totally blown it, we've now had a three-hour nap, forget it, I'm out of here, I don't know how to meditate, and then suddenly, you know, y- you feel you have a profound insight. Well, where did that come from? I was just having a cup of tea. I was just peeling an orange. You know, life is this incredible mystery. Why do we fear vulnerability is my question. Why do we fear turning towards the vulnerability of being alive. Every single one of you in the meetings have talked about, even if you haven't used that word, have talked about vulnerability. This is it, folks. This is, this is it. We're in it. As long as we're breathing and moving around, we're in it. It's the vulnerability of life. So how do we, how do we coach ourselves or coax ourselves to turn towards what sometimes feels so unbearable or terrifying? Or how do we meet the cultural conditionings in our world? The conditionings that really inform how we relate to ourselves, how we relate to each other. I'm talking about sexism, racism. These aren't just words. You know, they they affect our culture. They affect us how we relate to each other, how we treat each other, how we see each other. Physical ability, mental ability, religion, class. You know, our view, we get so skewed. And we see, we see it play out. We see it play out around us. It's terrifying. It's tragic. It's born of ignorance. And the more we can turn towards our own vulnerability, as I, t- as I said to you the other night, towards um, uh, what my teacher said, that the war, the war of Iraq is within you. The more we can turn towards our own vulnerability, whatever arises, the hatred, the war within, the more that healing can occur within ourselves, within our relationships, But it does take the courage to turn towards what isn't wanted. And when we can see it with a wider view, we can see it through the lens of causes and conditions. You know, uh, for instance, I'll give you another example. Just growing up um, in a certain religion myself, uh, you know, guilt was, was primarily emphasized. Really to the degree that the message you got was before you were even born, and you're in the womb, you've, you've, cre- you've, you've sinned. I mean, it's crazy, right? But, 
you know, that's taught to little children. You know, that, that was early, early conditioning. And, you know, through all the years of my practice, I, I see guilt arise. I watch it arise in my mind and heart. It's like sometimes, you know, there's, there's kind of an arrogance in relation to like, it shouldn't be there. It shouldn't be there. I did something wrong. What's wrong that guilt is there? And other times wisdom will come in. Wisdom and compassion is like, there it is. There's the conditioning. There's a conditioning in this lifetime. And can I, can I be tender? Can I go the way of tenderness? Infused with wisdom. Oh, this is what's happening here. This, this has its root. You know, or somebody today was talking about needing permission. It's a be- beautiful practice. You know, recognizing that, that need for approval, that need for fr- permission, and really having the courage to turn towards what that feels like inside. What that feels like. And taking the time to feel in it, to quiver in it, to feel the suffering of it, to meet it with a profound compassion and courage. That's practice. That's practice for being fully alive in our lives. So with that, I would like to offer you a practice um, to close tonight. And, uh, and just, just, just a practice to, to uh, explore for yourself. So I'm going to explain it to you and then we'll, we'll engage. I'm just going to read you a quote from David White, but maybe I'll have to print it out and leave it for you for your, for your journey beyond the retreat. So many of you, um, how many of you have heard of uh, the acronym RAIN in relationship to Dharma practice? Okay, so some of you. Um, I first heard it from my teacher, Michelle McDonald. Tara Brock has uh, spent a lot of time writing about it and, um, and leading folks through this, um, this process called RAIN. So I'd like to, um, to guide us through this, this anacronym. I'll tell you what um, R-A-I-N means. And it is related to turning towards... Um, turning towards what's vulnerable in our hearts or what's tender in our hearts or whatever is there for us. So the, the R means to recognize. So we've all been practicing the R. We've all been you know, cultivating this recognizing what's actually happening right now. I mean, you hear it over and over ad nauseum in the instructions. And we can't hear it enough, actually. It's okay, ooh, okay, wake up out of the dream. What's actually happening right now? No thinking is happening, sensing is happening, sound is happening, boredom is happening, pleasure is happening. You know, recognizing what is actually happening. The second is allowing, allowing the experience to be there. Much like I just described of that example of um, meeting the the feeling aspect of that recognition of uh, needing approval. Obviously, that's cultural conditioning, isn't it? But recognizing that that um, needing approval comes down into the heart. What does it actually feel like in the body? So allowing the experience to be there, not trying to fix it or avoid it. And then the third, so the third is I, R-A-I. I is investigate. So to meet it a little more fully. What's the flavor of it? What, what wants attention in that? 
This is also a great way to work if you find you're having like obsessive thoughts or continuing thoughts. It's always really helpful. It's like what's underneath the thought? What's in the body? What's the feeling in the body? What's the emotion? The last is, um, it's interesting, it's, it's taught, I'm, I'm going to use um, Tara's interpretation of it, but it has been taught the last N is for non-identification, which is a lot of what I've been talking about tonight. It's not me, it's what's happening. Tara uses it as a um, self-compassion practice. So the N becomes nurture or nourish. So this is what we're going to go through right now. So if you want to find a comfortable spot for yourself, just starting with just settling into your body just feeling feeling your being just just as just as you are right now just as it is grounding in your anchor whether it's the breath or the contact with the cushion or chair or sound feeling yourself settle And if you want, you can call to mind something, something that's perhaps persisted today or something that um, you've noticed it's persisted, but you've resisted. Whatever we resist persists. So maybe something that's there for you or has been there for you. And if, if nothing comes to mind, that's okay. Just, just recognize whatever's happening for you right now might just be a sense of space, listening. And if you are noticing something that, something that's been persisting or calling out to you, so to speak, or something that you've tried to keep at bay, could be a thought about yourself or feeling, see if you can allow that experience to just be there not turning towards it with curiosity rather than trying to fix it, avoid it, figure it out, change it. If it's something like self-judgment or a sense of unworthiness, we don't have to agree. We don't have to agree that that's true, but we can just notice it as it's present. Perhaps it has a language or a feeling tone to it. Perhaps you notice it somewhere in the body. You might, if it's feeling difficult, you might just have a little, a little mantra to yourself, it's okay. Just a gentle saying to yourself, it's okay. It's okay to to open to this. It's okay to shine a light on it.
as you're recognizing, allowing. See if you could get a little curious and maybe investigate it a little more. Like, what? What wants my attention here? How am I experiencing this? What am I believing? Are there thoughts, beliefs, stories? What does this vulnerable aspect want from me? What does it need? I encourage you to tune into the felt sense, not conceptualize. See if you can kind of stay out of the figuring, mental, conceptualizing. The mental will be just noticing it. But you're really just asking it directly. What does it need? With an attitude of just caring. Just by not trying to get rid of it is caring. And moving to the end, the nurture or nourish. What does it need? Does it need reassurance or forgiveness, tenderness? Kindness? Maybe there are even words. We all experience things in different ways. There may be words or a feeling. The words might be, I'm here. I'm here for you. I'm listening. Thich says, I'm here for you, my darling. If it's hard and you want to bring in someone a loving being to support you. Someone you know or someone imagined or maybe your pet. Feeling their care for you. Notice your own presence.
Can you rest in that presence? Can you touch into your own goodness? Who are you when there's no longer a war? And if you're just having the intention, just the intention to care, even if you're struggling, that deconditions the war. That allows for the spaciousness of being. Who am I when I'm no longer at war? Don't even try to answer that question. Just be it. And notice the space. Notice the space inside, the space outside. Resting in this truth. So just staying with yourself, however it is, and even though I know it's not bedtime, this is like an early bedtime story, but we know you're coming back for the last sitting. You may know this. It's from Galway Canal. The bud 
stands for all things, even for those things that don't flower, for everything flowers from within of self-blessing. Though sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, to put a hand on its brow of the flower and retell it in words and in touch, it is lovely until it flowers again from within of self-blessing. Sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness, to put a hand on its brow of the flower and retell it in words and in touch. It is lovely until it flowers again from within of self-blessing. Thank you for your courage, your openness, your steadfastness, your joys and your sorrows, and your sweet, tender humanness. May you hold it with deep regard. Maybe we can just sit together for a minute before we move. So it's, uh, it's time for walking meditation if you'd like, or if you'd like to just sit a bit longer, feel free to do that. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you at uh, uh, 8.45 for our, our closing sit and chant together.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.